Hey, welcome to the 423 Soccer Pod. This is Jim, a.k.a. Chattagooner, on Twitter. And I am Todd, a.k.a. Great Footballer on Twitter. Thanks for joining us for this uh, second episode of the 423 Soccer Pod. And we're going to, you know, up to, we're going to talk a little bit about the week that was. Uh, CFC has had like a long road, uh, road stand and, and performed really well. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Talk more about the Atlanta match from last night with our guest, uh, Matt Coniglio, who was great enough to join us and talk a little bit about that match and his experience going down and following CFC. We've got other stuff coming up in club news, uh, a new match with um, uh, CSD Municipal out of Guatemala, uh, a little bit of academy news. We got some, we got some teams that are uh, competing currently right now this weekend in the regional tournament, the U.S. regional tournament. Uh, and then we'll follow it up with some other things that are going on. You know, the, we'll talk a little bit about Women's World Cup, I think. And there's, if you're not familiar, there has been a series of stories in, at uh, protagonistsoccer.com uh, on Chattanooga and soccer in Chattanooga. Um, there is a four-part series talking about CFC, talking about the other team that's in Chattanooga, talking about the Acad- CFC Academy, and a little bit about high school soccer. Uh, it's a good read. We hope to get the, uh, uh, the author on the pod uh, soon to talk a little bit more about you know, how he came up to, uh, with the idea of coming up to talk about Chattanooga um, and you know, his experience living, because he's, he's, uh, he lives close by, so we want to talk with him more about that. So right now, I want to pass it over uh, to Todd to talk a little bit about, oh, you wouldn't want to talk about the, the week that was. Yeah. Um, so I don't. So I, I do want to remind folks that you can listen to each post-match rant. Uh, we try to get that up about a, at most about an hour after every after the last whistle. But we did have a good week. Uh, Chattanooga went on the road to just like I said last night to Atlanta United. Excuse me, not Atlanta United. That would not that would not work. Atlanta SC uh, went to Asheville and played, and also had a had a road match against the Georgia Revolution, and so. After that, three wins. Um, Todd has the table, so you can have to talk about the table first. Yeah, so uh, you got the three games on the road. Uh, away win, 2-1 over Revs, uh, 2-0 over Asheville, and 5-0 over Atlanta SC. So uh, CFC coming in on the three games on the road, outscoring their opponents. Uh, nine goals to one uh, defense. Everybody looks like they're firing on all cylinders. Looks like we settled into that 4-4-2 with the diamond in the middle. Everything was looking solid, like top to bottom. Uh, on the table, uh, CFC sitting on top where we all feel they should be at 16 points. They're 5-1-1. One, one. Then we got Asheville at 4-2-1 coming in at 13 points. Greenville, 12 points. Nashville, 7. And the entire state of Georgia adding up to 8 points. <laughs> but uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Revs and uh, Atlanta SC both 1-5-1 one, one, uh, on 4 points. Did have a game postponed the other night. Uh, that was uh, – uh, Inter-Nashville and Greenville, Greenville match. Yeah, that game's going to be rescheduled. I think that's going to put Greenville playing something like four games in the final week of the season. Uh, man, I hope they got a deep squad or they're going to have some really tired legs. So, yeah, so Greenville's on 12, right? But they have a game in hand. So if, if they win that game, we're still in first. So it's, it's you know, I think it, it all, all signs point to that last match, that last road match of the regular season between Chattanooga and Greenville is Really being maybe for for the who's going to host the playoffs and who's who's going to win that regular season uh, championship. 
Yeah, I mean that's I mean being being able to come home and play at the fort is uh, it, that's a great experience. As we all know, the crowds swell during playoffs, and being able to come home and and play in front of a big crowd is something we all want to be there for. So hopefully, uh, moving forward, if everything plays out, we can uh, be sitting at the top. We know we were making the playoffs. That happened last night uh, with the five zero win. Uh, so no matter what, CFC is in the playoffs, but uh, that's probably a low bar for CFC fans. So the other big news that came out from the club uh, this week was uh, a new game. So we on the 29th is our next uh, home game against Asheville. And then on the 30th, uh, another club from Guatemala will be coming up. Uh, interesting enough, it's the crosstown rival of the team we played earlier. This is uh, CSD Municipal. So Todd, you want to talk a little about Municipal? Oh, yeah, this is another storied uh, club in Guatemala, uh, as you mentioned, the crosstown rival of uh, Communicaciones, which uh, CFC um, fell to earlier in the year, two to nothing. But, um, no, it's great to have another, as I always say, big big teams play big clubs, and, and having uh, Municipal come up here to play is going to be a big deal. Uh, so this game is going to take place the day after uh, our 29th game against Asheville, and so we're June 30th at – 6 p.m. It's going to be at Ridgeland High School, and that match is not going to be included in the season ticket package. So take note: you're either going to need to uh, pre pre buy online or at twenty dollars, or it's going to be twenty five day of. Uh, CFC ticket season pass holders will get free parking, so there are some uh, perks, and uh, you guys can obviously go on uh, ChattanoogaFC.com and get more details on that. Uh, going back to the history of, of this, this team, uh, they have won numerous uh, domestic titles. Uh, they have, uh, they have some players uh, that's came through there that you may be familiar with, especially if you've paid any attention to Major League Soccer. Uh, they have uh, Marco Papa has played for them, uh, Carlos Ruiz, as well as Blas Perez, uh, the Panamanian who uh, uh, was a thorn in the U.S. Uh, side over, over probably the past 10 years. So uh, yeah, he's a he's a cagey top player, but uh, so they've had some some storied players come through there, and I think this is going to be uh, just another opportunity to uh, bring new folks into the CFC family. Uh, a little bit different environment. A lot of people ask, like, you know, why are we going down to Ridgeland? This was not a game that was uh, uh, that CFC served as a promoter. This was an outside promoter, so everything was out of CFC's hands. This is the one date that uh, that Municipal could play. And uh, so CFC did what they uh, what they could to make this game happen, and uh, you know we got a deep squad. So hopefully, uh, being the the night after uh, an MPSL game, we'll be able to get a probably a fresh uh, fresh set of legs out there across the board. Yeah, they so they compete in the top the top league in, in Guatemala. I believe they and uh, the other team in Guatemala uh, City uh, Communicaciones. Uh, both have won 30 league titles uh, each, um, so it's you know they are a very successful team. It's going to be very interesting to uh, to see maybe maybe some of our other some of the guys that haven't gotten to play a whole lot uh, over the course of the league campaign come out and play and 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 uh, and, do, and do well against some international competition. So that'll be cool. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's it for that match. Where we're you know it'll be on the 30th uh, down in in North Georgia at Risland High School. Uh, we did have a couple of academy teams in play in competition, and I wanted to take an opportunity just to talk about them a little bit. Our, both our 05 boys and 05, Chattanooga FC 05 uh, boys and girls made it 
to the Southern uh, Regional Championships in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They competed. They are actually currently right now, as we talk, as we record, um, are competing. And the, the boys are currently one and one. Uh, they are playing right now. Uh, the young women, they, are, they lost their first two matches. Their third match was probably done as we're recording, but I do not have a final on that. So congratulations for them, first of all, for just getting to the regional. That is, you know, they have to get through the state tournament first and, and to qualify for regionals. So it's, a, it's an honor for them. So congratulations to those boys and girls for going down there and doing that. If you happen to have a son or daughter in the academy and you're listening to this and, and you know, I would like to do and I think we would like to do and some updates of the academy squad. I know we're just getting ready to go into uh, the boys' uh, season. Um, it will be coming up here. And so if you've got, if you've got a, some students or some, some, of your, some of your kids who are playing, please let us know. Uh, check us out on Twitter. You, that is the, you can find us on Twitter at, at 423SoccerPod. Send us a DM or a message um, with some updates, and we'll be sure to include those. We want to make sure that, you know, the, that the, the pipeline of talent, um, and if, you'll, if, you, if you want to check out kind of what we've done in terms of local talent, you can check out that protagonist story I mentioned earlier. But we've got a lot of talent in the area. We've got a lot of talent on our club teams, and, and so we, we want to hype them up as much as we can. Plus, we want to be able to say when they hit it big, they were on the 423 soccer pod before they, before they got too big for us. That's right. So, you know, that's, that's really up for the club news, the academy news, and what's going on. So next what we're going to do is, is kind of bring in uh, Matt and talk a little bit about, you know, his experience with CFC. He, he attends a lot of away matches. And what he saw with the, the Atlanta match last night, I am sure I don't have to con- explain to you. If you attempted to watch the, uh, the feed last night, you may have been a little frustrated. If you were on Twitter, you certainly saw – that a number of CFC fans were frustrated with the feed or the lack thereof. But Matt was there, could give us kind of a, a, a firsthand experience of what he saw, a little bit of what he's seen over the course of this season so far. And I asked him, hey, you know, speak five years out. What do you see for the club in the future? So we're going to pass it off to him, and, and Todd's going to introduce him. Yep. And Matt can be found on Twitter at Whiskey's Fine. So hit him up on Twitter and show him some love. All right, uh, this is Todd on the 423 podcast. Uh, I'd like to welcome Matt Coniglio to the show, uh, a Chattahooligan, a CFC fan, all-around good guy from what I can tell. Uh, He was able to attend uh, last night's uh, CFC game away to Atlanta uh, Soccer Club, and uh, he's here to just tell us all the sights and sounds uh, from the game last night. Thanks for having me. Uh, Biggest takeaway from the game is, number one, three points, job done. Uh, when you go on the road in the NPSL, when you go on the road in any league, at any level, uh, road games are, they're, they're just tricky. You just never know what's going to happen. And uh, the field was 55, 56 yards wide. Yeah. Uh, the, the 18-yard box extended to basically the sideline. And so that does a lot of things to, especially to offense, where you don't have as much room to operate. Um, and our, and our offense likes to, you know, spread the ball around, move, uh, and it makes things a lot harder. Um, and defensively, it's a little bit easier because you can stay more compact. And as long as you don't turn the ball over in your own half, which we've had some problems with yeah. uh, earlier on in the NPSL season, uh, then our, our height and our organization is, allows us to, to uh, defend well, uh, especially with numbers. So, uh, 
I'll take us through the goals one by one uh, because it kind of set the tone for the entire game. Did you see, before we started the goals, did you see any like particular, I guess when you were looking at the strategy for CFC, did you see like difficulties that the narrow field, did, did you see them adjust or do anything different? Well, if you guys remember the Georgia Revolution game, it was also a narrow field, although not quite that narrow. Narrow and field so, plus yes, not in good shape. Yeah, so on, on the defensive side of the ball, when, when we had the ball and there was any type of danger, it was just an immediate clearance. You know, I don't care if it goes up the field, if it goes out of bounds, get the ball out of danger, and then you can move, you know, you can reset your defense and move from there. On the offensive side of the ball, I mean, sometimes you just have to you know, kick it long at times or, um, or, or try these, like, you know, small knockdowns and things like that. Uh, just to try to you know get any type of movement, any type of um, any type of just advantage you can, right. and so uh, maybe the biggest contrast between Georgia Revolution and Atlanta is in Georgia Revolution. We played a lot more long balls um, and played a lot more for the knockdown. Yeah. Right. Last night we were able to. We still sent it long at times, but we were usually we were pressing in as soon as the ball turned over in that side of the field. Okay. And so there was a lot more, or at least there seems to be more opportunity to play the ball, keep the ball on the ground, instead of just like hitting it high and wide and getting it out of danger. At, at times, because of the, the field was longer, yes. Uh, but the first, maybe the first 15 minutes of the game, uh, Atlanta was very, very compressed in the back. So there wasn't a lot of movement. Joao uh, Johanning mm-hmm. made his first start for us. Mm-hmm. And... He at times was able to move around some of his some of his old teammates actually, and and try to create dangerous opportunities, but there just wasn't a lot of space for it. So that leads into that that first goal. A ball is played by an Atlanta defender back to the keeper, and Felipe is charging at That's him. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the keeper attempts to lift the ball, just pop it right over Felipe uh, to his to his left back, and he was unsuccessful. At, at popping it over, and Pipe just sticks his foot out, ball goes off of it, straight into the back of the net. And that started to open up Atlanta a little bit. Yeah, goal, um, goals change games. So. Goals do change games. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, you know, it, it was the start of, of opening up Atlanta, but there wasn't a lot going on. There were a few chances here and there, but nothing crazy. Um, and maybe it was probably the second goal, uh, a Jordan Dunstan throw-in. Uh, and he already, <laughs> Jordan Dunstan can already you know, make a set piece out of a throw in on a, on a normal size field. Uh, but he threw it right in the, right in the six yard box. And uh, the keeper just, I don't know if his hands didn't get there in time. I don't know if it just deflected right off of him or what exactly happened. But keeper didn't touch it and he should have. And Juan Sanchez is just sitting at the back post, just directs it right into the goal. And at that point, the game was pretty much over. Mm-hmm. Atlanta didn't have any really any serious opportunities at all the entire game on offense. Yeah, I think we agree. Like, CFC, from a talent perspective, is well above where Atlanta is and, say, the Georgia Revolution. So you're going to run into that where, you know, they just try to pack it in and stay compact. But, like you said, once you get a goal or two, they, you know, they have to come out. And once you draw them out and and you can start, you know, kind of taking advantage of that space created, you kind of get this, like – the avalanche kind of happens. Yeah, honestly, and that's the story of CFC for the last you know three four years. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where 
by and large, going to be better than any team we play. Yeah. Uh, we're going to want to have the ball. We're going to want to do things with the ball. Uh, and if we finish our chances, we win 4 5 nothing. Sometimes we win more than that. If we don't finish our chances, say it's 1-0 to zero, in the case of uh, 2017, we might get pegged back for a goal, and all of a sudden it's a 1-1 yeah. draw. Uh, or or worse, a couple times. Oh, yeah, we've 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 had our uh, our heart stepped on a couple <laughs> of times, and where, where you know it's like we're sitting here and we end up losing, you know, by a goal or something like that, and you're like, well, we should have won by five. We shouldn't yep. be even worried about the one goal we gave up because we should have put four or five in. Yeah. So, uh, anything else to add about the? Uh, now we'll talk about the goals in the second half. Okay. Uh, so in the second half, were uh, there were just better team goals. Uh, so the fourth goal. Uh, as, I, as I recall, and, and there's some highlights out there uh, available to watch, but uh, we, had, we had numbers. Uh, it was a favorable attacking position for us. You know, cross was played in, uh, and I think a defender like, just got to it on a deflection. Keeper you know, was able to, to kind of push it out mm-hmm. back towards the sideline. And Marcus Smarzak, who was playing that, that kind of right-center midfield winger-type role, that we have in this narrow diamond is out on the, on the touchline and just plays a hard low ball right into, into Felipe who I snatched the soul out of the keeper by nutmegging him on yeah, the back heel. On the back heel. Yeah. Now, now that is the one goal I saw actually on the stream <laughs> in real time. It was, you picked a good one to see. It was, it was very, very nasty. Yeah. And I hope, I hope Felipe apologized because that keeper had a family. Yeah, that was a career. That was a career ender right there. <laughs> yeah. so. uh, and then, and then the fifth goal. Well, I guess the last thing I'll say about the fourth goal is that we we had numbers, and so it was like a second wave attack, and that's very similar to the first goal against Asheville, uh, where Alan Webb crossed the ball into Marcus for the header. Yeah. Where that was the second attack of mm-hmm. that particular. Uh, or a second wave of that particular attack. Yeah, because we had recovered the ball yes. off the first wave. And, and, and Soren played a great ball in, into space for Alan Webb to run on and cross mm-hmm. it. And so it was kind of a similar scenario there where if the first attack or the first wave doesn't succeed, it's just get the ball and then find, exploit whatever gap there is. Uh, and that's really good to see us taking advantage of that. And then uh, the fifth goal, I mean, probably like stoppage time. Uh, we manhandled the game at this point. Uh, Mason does a couple really nice moves uh, to evade three defenders, uh, and 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 those of us in the stands are you know probably looking at him like you could have just passed the ball the first time, but he beats you know beats three guys, passes it out to do uh, a, a midfielder or forward I forget what gets it back, and then plays it on down the side towards Joe Wayne Laidley who subbed in for, for for Felipe. If I'm not mistaken, is that the first time we saw him uh, in the MPSL season? In the league, yes, I That's believe I so. Uh, nice to see him make an appearance. Yes. We well, we can get to this, a little bit of squad rotation in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joe Wayne just plays the ball down the down the touchline on the left side for Gabby Gonzalez, also making his first NPSL appearance this year. Uh, and Gabby just you know takes one dribble, Plays it kind of a square ball to Mason Walsh, who takes one, two dribbles towards the middle and then just hits a banger on the top corner uh, for his second goal of the campaign. That's great. So last night, watching the game, uh, standout performances for you? Uh, I'm going to say, first off, Jordan Dunstan, Hmm. because he's a rock 
not just the assist. He's a rock in defense. It's not every day you give a defender the man of the match and a 5 0 win. So <laughs> yeah. he could have honestly he could have been managed the man of the match in most of the games we've played this year because he's a very very solid player uh, and he and he cleans up any mistakes. Uh, you know he might have prevented a goal by taking a taking a yellow card uh, to stop Thierry Jules from from getting free late in the game. Um, I mean obviously the throw in. Uh, for the assist for Juan Sanchez, but I mean, he's got—I think he's played the most minutes on the team at this point, especially in the league. And you uh, always—you always know you can rely on him. And and his his partnership with Lima, uh, ever since uh, ever since Ruben Marias went down with that injury, uh, after the first Georgia Revolution game, has been just immense for our defense. We've given up one goal. Yeah. Uh, and that one goal was a, you know, kind of a similar situation where we passed the ball right to. Uh, right to an offensive player. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I think you we've we've talked about here uh, the change of the the central back pairing um, after that Georgia Revolution game. Not only that, but it was a, a really a change of system. We had, we had played we a, we did we had we, played a four two three one or four three three kind of yeah you know uh, hybrid in in that and played with two defensive midfielders, which really didn't seem to work. Um, and I think it's because. Both of our defensive midfielders in that formation really wanted to be the front part of the pivot. They all wanted to go forward, and we, were, we had a lot of space in between the midfield and the back line. That caused our center backs some issues. Uh, yeah. Re- Ruben had some issues. I think it um, was. I think it was also a little bit of uh, our, our wingers were probably not not getting back enough. Yeah, correct. They, they were yeah. definitely on pressed defense. forward, yeah. and, and because most of the time when those goals were scored. Like it, it came after we had had like substantial possession, and oh, yeah. it was like you know they got pushed so far up, and it exposed you know our center backs who were then getting pulled way outside to chase down these you know fast you know players on offense, and and once they kind of get moved outside, they didn't have the greatest uh, mobility. So mm-hmm. they're let's face it, they're best like inside the eighteen. Mm-hmm. You pull, start pulling them outside in one on one situations, you're going to find yourself in yeah, trouble. Yeah, we just seem to have a way more for me, for my eye. We have way more balance in this in this diamond than we had in the in the two three one. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. If if you really want to look at the um, the issue we have from giving up goals to not giving up goals now in this stretch, part of it's I'm sure formation a little bit, but we've given up six goals in league play. Five before the formation change, one after. On those six goals, the amount of passes that were connected by the opposing team before they scored is five total. Yeah. In other words, yeah. they were one shot straight oh, yeah, through balls, expo- exposed the defense, mm-hmm. and, in, and, in, and one in time two finishes. cases, yes. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, one, it was a it was a giveaway to that led to a cross. And mm-hmm. one. Uh, well, one of them was at the PK, but it was a one-pass uh, situation. And then yeah. the Greenville counterattack, that, that was a goal uh, for the equalizer. And, folks, uh, that's why we bring Matt in, and he, he drops the knowledge like, on you. It was like two, five two, total passes. passes. Yeah, yeah and that's they, great. there were counters and uh, several of them off, off set pieces, uh, off our corners or uh, off just, throw-ins. Just, just the Greenville one, yeah. yeah. And it just, it's something that, you know, that we've talked about, um, something that has not happened Really, even uh, I guess there was one counter off of a corner in the uh, green the, the, in, in the Georgia game at at Georgia, but we snuffed it. Yeah, out. it didn't lead to anything. Lead I anything. think I think there's been a I think there's been personnel changes and how they Absolutely. how they defend mm-hmm. 
how they defend our attacking corner with yeah. in terms of who's back and where they're positioned back. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to have it seems to have helped. Yeah. Well, anything else to add? I don't think so for the game. What I'm interested in hearing is, you know, kind of you know, I like to hear people's kind of CFC testimony. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, and how, how you came to the club and how you came to, to be a fan. Um, you know, I when you know we talked about it, I started really through my kids playing for the academy, mm-hmm. and uh, then um, kind of they, you know they were they got in for free, so we started going in. I think we went to a couple of games in 2010, and okay, we went nice. to all the matches in 11. But didn't I don't know if they had see, did we I don't know if we had season tickets at eleven or not. Yeah. But I didn't buy one until twelve. Okay. Um, and so we went to all the matches. We looked around like we've just been to all the matches. Why aren't we buying a season ticket? And so that was <laughs> that was twelve, and uh, we've been there ever since. So I'm interested to hear kind of how you came and your soccer journey, where you were before CFC, and and why you know why CFC. Well, okay, so soccer journey before CFC. I'll make it real short. There wasn't one. Okay. Unless you count unless you count going to. Uh, going to like my friends or like school like soccer games or something like that. Uh, I did play a little bit, uh, although play is a gross exaggeration of the word. Um, I, I did a little rec soccer in fourth and fifth grade hey. in the JV middle school in sixth, and it was bad. Just like, wrecked some shins and I got out of there. Bad. I, no, I so I was I was tiny. Uh, I still am short, but so I, the shin guards was, were bigger than you were. I was tiny then and. Um, I was, I was not good, did not know the rules, which is kind of a small problem. And, uh, I, I was really good at earning fouls because the bigger kids would run into me or I would run into their path and they would run into me and I would fall down and the referee would be like, that's a clear foul. Uh, we want a penalty kick that way once. Uh, hey, we'll give you an assist. That's I did not even know what, what was happening, but. Someone took it and we scored, and it was like one of three goals we scored that entire year. <laughs> we were bad. I was bad. It was it was all something. So I, I moved on to things that did not involve a ball uh, and ran cross country and track, uh, and that was that was my sporting my sporting life. Uh, so in two thousand and nine, uh, probably early May two thousand and nine, I was a senior in high school, and I grabbed the sports page uh, one day at school. And there was you know article on there that says um, semi pro or soccer team coming to Chattanooga and you were playing uh, I guess it was on the weekend and I couldn't make that game for some reason uh, but I was like this is cool like I I want to go like this is this is mm-hmm. awesome cool uh, and uh, again still not knowing anything about soccer and, and so it was the second home game that I made which was the third game in club history. And I walked in, uh, not knowing anybody, not knowing anything, and I saw like five, six people standing up, um, and, you know, a few minutes before the game, down in, uh, actually, I think it was 110 at that point, it was before we mm-hmm. moved over, or it was 108 before we moved over to 109. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, you know what, I was like being in the student sections for, for like soccer games and, and, and whatnot, so I was like, I'm just going to go over there. And, and that's how it all started. Uh, and this group of strangers welcomed me in, uh, offered me beer until they found out I wasn't 21. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I, of course, turned it down because I was, I was 18 uh, and didn't know any better. And, uh, and, that, and that kind of began the, began the journey. So I was at 
most of the a couple more games that year. We didn't play very many, um, and then I was at most of the games in 2010, including the national final, oh, okay. uh, which was in Huntsville that year. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's been it's been a really good journey. Uh, it's exciting to see the club grow, uh, attract new people, uh, and then also welcome welcome new Chattanoogans mm-hmm. as as kind of a gateway to to all things Chattanooga, and. Uh, you know, we're excited for, obviously excited for now that we're basically mid-season. Um, but as we as we transition to being, you know, a pro club with a with a fully long season, you know, not just two competitions, but like a full long regular season, it's just really exciting to to think about being, you know, there in the beginning, um, and watching kind of all all unfold. If you could. If you could describe what CFC is to you in, in just a, a sentence or, or so, what what would be what would be your take home? Uh, I think that's actually a really tough question. I think CFC for me has has been maybe the one consistent thing in my life, probably in ten years. Uh, like I, I, w- I went away for college, I would come back in the summer, and CFC on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I moved back. I was, I was obviously still coming uh, for games. It's how I've met a bunch of my you know, closest friends. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the vehicle that produced a community that's enriched my life and, and so many other people's lives, too. All right, man. Well, thanks for your, te- your CFC testimony, yeah, as we're awesome. calling them. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Any, anything else? You know, we, we've got you, – you mentioned uh, the MPSL Pro. And or whatever we're called, you know, whatever, whatever we're calling. Whatever For lack we're, of a better name, uh, yeah, we're Founders running with Cup. that. Now. Founders Cup. That's yeah. what. Yeah. So whatever we're going to call that. Um, you know what? Where do you kind of where do you see things? You, where do you, if you could, I'm just going to tap into your mind here. Okay. In your prognostication, we we love abilities. some speculation yeah. here. Yeah. So okay, this five, is your forum. Yeah, speculate. Five, so you look five years down the road. What do you What do you think? What do you see? You know, we've got we've got a, a club that's right across 24 here. That is, is playing, yeah, uh, and and so you know what? What do you kind of see in the future? Would... Uh, I think I think in five years, I think things are going to stabilize a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's the the drama with lawsuits in U.S. soccer and sanctioning, not sanctioning, and, and other clubs and other leagues. I'm I'm hopeful that in five years we'll really start to be, um, coming coming back to uh, where things start to make more sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really, maybe that's the most optimistic thing I've said in the last you know, three weeks or something, but I'm hopeful but at that point that U.S. soccer is going to have to realize it's got to it's got to figure some things out. That was my next question. Do you see that happening with or without major organizational change inside the U.S. soccer structure? There, there are going to have to be major organizational changes. Um, I don't anticipate those being willing on U.S. Soccer's part. I would, mm-hmm. I would venture a guess that it'll be forced, okay. uh, either via, you know, a court order through the law, one of the lawsuits, uh, maybe a set of settlement terms or something like that. Um, but like, surely there's there's got to be a better way, and and hopefully, even more hopefully, is that the the different leagues and the federation and major stakeholders. Lock themselves into a room one day and decide yeah. to be grown up adults, yeah. um, and just and just hammer out a way to 
so that the concerns of, of the old timers that, that put a ton of money in yeah. at first, uh, that you know they're not just dismissed outright, but that these startup clubs and those that want to you know, do not want to participate in the franchise system, that there's a way for for that to work out somehow, and, and that United soccer in the United States can really join the rest of the world, and and how to how to do things the right way. Great. Well, Matt, thanks for coming on to the 423 Soccer Pod. We certainly appreciate your time. And uh, before you go, you're welcome back anytime to join us. Ah, thank and, you. Uh, we, we are inside. There's definitely games. Uh, contrary to popular belief, we are, do not get paid for this, and I have not turned in my notice to my regular job. So there will be, <laughs> yeah, there will be games that we cannot uh, attend uh, due to um, outside uh, commitments. So uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, love to have you back sometime. Thank okay. you for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. And again, I'd like to thank Matt for joining us here uh, at the 423 Soccer Pod. It was great to hear his insight, his journey, and his experiences at CFC matches and kind of where he sees the club going. So again, thanks. Again, you can find him on Twitter at WhiskeyIsFine. Um, you know, I lamented a little bit. After I turned the recorder off, we had a really nice conversation about the, you know, U.S. soccer and the you know, kind of the situation we all find ourselves in as soccer fans in the U.S., especially as lower division soccer fans and kind of where he sees things going. And I turned the recorder off. I didn't record any of it. So we're going to have Maybe that's have a lesson we've learned. Just keep the thing just, recording. Yeah. We'll catch magic on the mic. Yeah. So I'm just going to, we're going to ask him to come back maybe in the off season when we don't have matches to talk about. We could talk really about kind of the future of where U.S. soccer is going and, and how Chattanooga may may or may not fit into that. But again, thanks to ha- thanks for him making the, the drive to the, the, the secret location for our taping. And um, yeah, again, I, I, think for, I thank him for taking the time out to talk with us. One, there's a couple of last things we want to talk about. There's other stuff going on in the world of soccer outside of the United, United States and outside of lower division soccer. Um, especially, especially around some international soccer. The Women's World Cup is, is going on, and you cannot talk about the Women's World Cup without talking about VAR and what's... Rename it the VAR Cup. Yeah, the, yeah, we're naming it the VAR Cup. I did see somebody say earlier today on Twitter that the golden boot for this tournament will be awarded to VAR. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think um, I think for better or worse, I mean, so far this theme for this Women's World Cup as we're sitting here watching uh, uh, France and Brazil play, uh, it seems like it is going to be remembered for the like how VAR was introduced and its impact it's had on these games because it seems like it's it's th- it's handprint or fingerprints, if you will, are just all over this, mostly in, in controversy. Uh, the poor keepers, I feel bad for them. It's almost like uh, for every penalty kick, they should super glue their feet to the line uh, because it seems like they've every penalty has been retaken. Yeah, uh, I wonder, I, I wonder I if there's ever been this many penalty retakes no, in an no entire world. Yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and it's, I think it's just more complex than some, than some <clears throat> talking heads are trying to make it. You know, if, you've, if, you're, if you're on Twitter and you follow – certain pundits you know alexi lawless was like you know just follow the law just follow the law and it's just not that simple i mean keepers and penalty takers for years there's been i refer to it kind of as a common law has developed in terms of how the game is played and how players understand and i understand the way the law is written i don't know that any of those calls are have really been wrong quote unquote um, There's a lot go, of spirit of the law versus letter, go by of, the the law. letter of, of the law, but it's just you know I, I guess what I what I 
boiled down. It all boils down to me, um, or where I, where I kind of kind of find myself feeling, or how I feel about this is, you don't do this. You don't change for a World Cup. I mean, that's that's a big stage. You don't make a change like this in a World Cup. Uh, I think when when they've introduced changes in the men's side, you don't see changes coming before a World Cup. You give you know, there's some friendlies, there's some other tournaments that they've got. I, it's just I you know I would I think you bring up a fair point. I don't believe you would have saw this sort of like dramatic change if this was a men's World Cup. I, no. I just believe that there would have been too much controversy around and and just disrupted things too much to bring it up uh, for a men's which. You know, that kind of goes back to kind of throwing fuel in the fire of the women's game, just not treated with the same amount of respect. At, at least this World Cup, they're getting all natural grass fields as opposed yeah. to uh, the last one. So, Yeah, and if you saw the England-Cameroon game earlier today, uh, you saw other kind of aspects of VAR that just it, – it's just it was just phenomenal. I mean, it's just – if you haven't seen it, if you can go – you can go on, I think, Fox Sports online and maybe watch a replay of it and – Again, it's a situation where um, I don't know that the calls were technically wrong. It just felt different than, um, I mean, just the whole match, the flow of the match was disrupted by VAR, and, and I guess the, the, you know, the Cameroonian team was incredibly upset, which I certainly understand. They, every, every call seemed to go against them. Uh, England, the England women really played well uh, in between those breaks and, and came, out with a, came out with a victory. But I really feel bad for the Cameroonian team. They... They deserved a little bit more than the three, I think three or four nil uh, beating that they took. Uh, but again, this this Women's World Cup is, is all about VAR. You're going to see VAR. You know, it's it's going to increase. It's here. It's here to stay. Uh, you know, on my other some of the other podcasts I listen to that cover EPL and, and other kind of uh, international leagues, you know, see this as just another way. You know, you're going to get basically commercial breaks. So every VAR break is going to be sponsored by somebody and. And you know, you're going to have a VAR break where they're going to cut away from TV coverage and, and run a quick 30-second commercial break. It's just, it's just not going to go away. Um, and so we're going to have to – and I will say that the more VAR is used in other places, the better it has got. Um, but uh, right now it's a little bit of a – it's a little bit of a, a cluster. And, and I started thinking about significant ways maybe in the past as a supporter that my life may have been influenced by VAR, both positively and negatively. And I thought about this for a moment. And I, I went back to the 99 uh, Women's World Cup, and we all remember the shootout, the U.S. versus versus China. Yep. And there is a dramatic save that Brianna Scurry has, and she takes a solid step oh, off yeah. the line. And I mean, it, it's maybe a yard before making the dive which that clearly would have been called back now under VAR. And, and I think about how that would have like negatively, uh, for me anyway, negatively influenced the result for me. But then I flash forward to 2002 in the USA versus Germany um, semi or That was a quarterfinal match and where Torsten Frings handles the ball in the dying minutes of the game uh, for Germany that it, under VAR rules now would have easily led to a penalty kick for the U.S., and then we can only speculate, but I'm pretty sure the U.S. would have won the World Cup that year uh, had that call went their way. So, VAR, where were you when I needed you? Yeah, really. Yeah, you know, you know people are, you know, not, as people are talking more about VAR, they're bringing up other other results. Well, and yeah, and, and I, I brought that up, I guess, to say this: all things will balance out. Uh, you know, That's if we what just. They say. It, it, technology is ever encroaching, and I think, like you say, the more this goes on, I think the more comfortable we'll get with it, and the more. 
um, it'll be used appropriately. And I think, like I said, technology is ever encroaching. It's not going away. So unfortunately, we can yell about it, but eventually we'll just have to embrace it. Well, and with everything, with every, with all the controversy around bar, this has, in my opinion, been a really good women's tournament. Uh, you know, they're, they're outside of the the big U.S. result in the first match. The matches have been really good, competitive. The level of soccer, I think, has improved. Um, yeah, the the one result, uh, U.S. versus um, Thailand. Thailand. That that result yeah, excluded. An that was an anomaly. Yeah, and and you're gonna get that occasionally. But overall, the level of play, especially as we sit here and watch Brazil and France, is definitely. I think it's higher than it was four years ago, and I think it was higher than the four years before that. So the women's game is definitely getting elevated, and yeah. it's, it's it's fun to watch. Yep, I'm looking forward to the the quarters and the semis and the final. Uh, the other thing that's going on in international play, at least on this side of the globe, is the Gold Cup and the U.S. men last night. Uh, if you um, if you didn't if you gave up on the feed for the Atlanta SC game and you wanted to watch some soccer, you could watch the U.S. take care of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, I kind of paid attention until it got to 4-0 um, and then kind of decided, yeah, this match is over. And, and I did catch the last goal, uh, Aaron Long, and ah, maybe stoppage time or right, right at the end, kind of chesting one down. Uh, it was a really dominating performance uh, of, to a team against a team that's really stronger than the team that put us out of the World Cup uh, what two three years ago, right? Um, and uh, so it's it's you know it's good to see the U.S. playing well. I am one of those people who you know, I do not actively root against the national team because I don't like U.S. soccer or what U.S. soccer is doing. I still can't find myself to cheer against the guys. I mean, I, you know, I, I or the or the ladies for that matter, um, especially the ladies based on what U.S. soccer is sometimes done to them. But you know, so it's you know I was I was uh, I didn't get to see the Guiana game. I know that was a 4-0 win, I believe. Yep. And to watch a little bit of this, you know, I'll, I'll pay more attention. We've got the semifinals right up the road in Nashville uh, on July 3rd, I believe, if you want to go. Uh, that's a, it's a good place to watch uh, watch some soccer. Um, hopefully the U.S. will be there. Mexico will, will probably be there. And so you'll probably get two pretty good matches and two well-attended matches. Uh, I don't know if you've got – it was a dominating performance as I look at the stats with the U.S., 27 shots, 12 on target. 67% possession. That is good no matter really who you're playing. Yep. Um, playing against air, 67% possession is good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, – oh, as yeah. as we just see France, I believe France just scored, uh, if you're watching. Now now yep. you know where we're recording. Well, we're going we're gonna to wait, though, for the VAR review. Oh, we're, yeah. we're not going to put the goal on the board yet, yeah, and we'll we also have, have a player down – or two players down, actually. So, I don't know. We, um, Todd and I were talking before we turned the recorder on about the Gold Cup and about you – know, th- you know, my opinion is I don't really understand you – know, I think it's, it's a competition that we need you – know, it's, it's here, and if the U.S. is going to be in it, I want the U.S. to win it and, and perform well. But it just you – know, you know, the Mexico coach, former Atlanta United – um, coach has come out and said, you know, he, he would rather his team be in South America playing than play for the Gold Cup, and I, I perfectly understand that. I, you know, I I really enjoyed when the U.S. and Mexico played in in the uh, uh, Copa America, um, and I oh yeah, we're just watching the replay. Sorry, I uh, I, uh, I I for one would would really wouldn't prefer or would be wouldn't mind if the Gold Cup and the Copa America kind of merged. No, I, I think I had one kind of large tournament 
that every four years, kind of like the Euros. Um, and we saw that in the Copa America centar- cent- Centenario uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. And it, it was a it was a wonderful tournament. And I think everybody was like on the edge of their seat, like, okay, this is going to happen. These things are going to merge. We're going to get rid of the Gold Cup, which is every two years, which is totally superfluous for, for a tournament like this. I realize that the island nations in the Caribbean, I, I understand that this is a bigger deal for them, and it gives them a chance to, to run with the big dogs. But at the same time, it's like it, – if, if it's not a Mexico-U.S. final in the Gold Cup, then why have the Gold Cup? Now let, let's be honest. Anything other than that, anything for those two countries, anything other than a finals appearance against the other one uh, is, a, is a complete failure. And uh, like I said, I think both teams would be well served, including the region, if this just became a – a uh, Western Hemisphere tournament held every four years with a longer qualification process. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, on the one hand, I just think it's a complete money grab for for uh, you know. Sorry, I don't I don't mean to you know put on my tin hat here, but it's total money grab for some and uh, for Concacaf having it in the U.S. So, but I'm just not a fan of the tournament, and I I don't actively root against the U.S. I thought it was a We've seen two performances that have gotten sequentially better, especially since we played the two uh, warm-up games that looked horrible. Yeah, the U.S. Really. just looked – it looked like those players had never even been on the same field before. So to have two wins and outscore our opponents 10, ten goals to, to nil over those two games is definitely a, a step forward. And uh, once again, it we got to make it to the final. We have uh, Panama next. I, I don't know the level of, of – uh, of competition that that's going to bring. I know they'll play us tough, compact, and they'll be difficult to break down. But on the on the world stage, I'm not sure that Panama should really be posing a threat to uh, regional dominance for us. Yeah, and I think that really must, that's pretty much it for the pod to this week. We're gonna we'll be back uh, next week with a full pod, and, and of course after every match, so we will have a post match uh, podcast for both the uh, the Asheville game on Saturday. And the and the municipal game on Sunday, so please check in for those things. You can now find if you if you uh, use these things, you can now find the uh, you can now find the podcast on Pocket Cast. You can find an app. Uh, there is a link on Twitter I have put up, so you you you'll need that link, but you could then subscribe using Pocket Cast. Soon you'll be able to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and so we will. Make sure that we give um, we give updates for folks so you know when we're on there and you can follow us. Uh, as always, on Twitter at 423SoccerPod. Again, this is Jim, and I'm also on Twitter at Chattagooner. And this is Todd at Great Footballer. Go CFC. Go Blues. So well, uh, we're back with a kind of a postscript to the the soccer pod. We we forgot to take good notes and put a good outline together. We wanted to talk a little bit about Pride Razor, and if you're not really sure what that is, it's a coalition of independent soccer supporters uh, that raise money for LGBTQ plus charities in the month of June, which is Pride Month. And we wanted to kind of give a shout out to the work. Um, that they do, and Todd, you what do you, you have? What, you want to say anything about the the effort? Oh yeah, absolutely. And shame on us too, right? Because this basically the brainchild, Galen Riley, right? Chattanooga's very own, and Chattahooligan's very own, Galen Riley, kind of like started this, uh, as he says, accidentally one night. So shame on us for for overlooking that. And uh, there is, I see, today's what the twenty third. So there is about seven more days left in the uh, fundraiser. And so you can go on to uh, prodraiser.org 
and that will link you to your local community supporters group and you can donate through them. And what you're doing is you're pledging so many dollars per goal scored. Uh, so this point, uh, I'm looking at the statistics. So far, uh, Chattanooga FC is at $461.84 per goal. And right now we're at $8,313 raised. And this is going to go to uh, Nuga Diversity. Uh, and that serves the LGBTQ community. Uh, and as I read their description here, it provides a safe space downtown and serves a network for healthcare, legal services, and recreational options for its patrons and their families. So if you got some got some spare dollars, uh, pour back into the community if you're not already, and uh, and pledge pledge some dollars per goal scored for CFC. Still, a few we got two more games left in this month: the one against the uh, Municipal on the on the 30th, and on the 29th, uh, the final home game uh, versus uh, Asheville. So there's still time. Yeah, and the really cool thing, one of the really cool things about this is that wherever you are, when you go on the website, it finds a uh, an outlet near you. Uh, so a, a supporters club and and, and, uh, and a, uh, a beneficiary that's local to your community. So that's I think that's really cool. You can also choose to give to any any one that you like. You just make a pledge at any one. But it also if you're not if you're not listening to us in Chattanooga, if you're listening somewhere else, and you want to see if there's a local community organization that's benefiting from this, um, you can check that out. The uh, Galen was talking to me on uh, on Twitter last night. Or I think it was last night or last couple nights. Um, that you know he and you could listen. I also want to pub. You know the there's an there's a good podcast from our friends over at Asheville City, uh, the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, and they did. You know they beat us to it. They did a wonderful full podcast episode to talk, talking with Galen and some other folks about the development of this program and, and and this process and how it came about, the history of it. I learned some things, um, so I, I would I would point you over to their uh, their podcast to listen to that. But in talking with me, he said, you know, he was he was noticing that the first year they did this, uh, they to raise thirteen thousand dollars total, and just last night, because of the the growth of this project and and how it's gone across across the country, they raised over ten thousand dollars just last night alone, and the total pledges now made, if you go on the website, fourteen hundred and fifteen pledges made, totaling. Uh, currently pledged over $70,000, almost $71,000 to be given to local LGBTQ communities. Um, really great. Uh, like Todd said, we were remiss in not covering this earlier and not talking about it. Um, I really want to get uh, Galen and somebody from Nuga Diversity on after it's over to not only to, to talk about kind of where we go, really to kind of where we go from here and, and what folks can do to support that community in Chattanooga. So again, Todd, anything else that you feel like needs to be said? No, no, that's that's it. Just uh, just support support your local people in every way possible, and this is this is a great uh, mechanism to do that. Yeah, great. So again, the the website is prideraiser.org. You can find them also on Facebook. You can find them on Twitter, um, and just check them out and and see what the, the good work that uh, that they're doing and other. Uh, local independent soccer supporters uh, from all across the country uh, are doing as well. So thanks, Todd, for calling and reminding me of this that we needed to, we needed to talk about it and and uh, it's something that came from came out of our community and is doing good work all over. So uh, again, thanks to them and and uh, and we'll see y'all in the next episode. Chattanooga, we are-